Welcome to the Rainbow Bull with Tim Volk from T. Volk and Company Consulting. In this podcast, Tim, a proud member of the LGBTQ community, discusses a range of topics around the five capitals of a flourishing family, human, intellectual, social, spiritual, and financial capital. Tim will use this framework as he and his guest experts delve into the secrets of the wealthy and how we might learn from them. So let's get started on this exciting adventure together. The security software on my computer is up to date, I think. When I buy something online, I always use a secure website, I think. Well, I've never clicked on a suspicious email link. Uh, All right, maybe once, maybe once. But wait a minute, why would anyone want to hack me anyway? Well, it's all about cybersecurity today and what you need to understand. Tim Volk, your guest works with this all the time. So please tell us about Greg Klein Herzl. Well, hi, everybody, and Happy New Year. I, I wanna, I'm very excited to have Greg on the show today. One of the things we think about with the Rainbow Bowl is, is what would be interesting to hear from our guests on unusual topics that they deal with every day and that we can all learn from, right? And And when you work with privately held businesses, publicly held companies, particularly the privately held businesses that families have, it's always interesting because so much of it is done very quietly and they have such patience when they go to do things unless things go wrong. I had the pleasure of being introduced to Greg and Greg is just a very highly energetic person who dedicated to helping his clients with technology. And he does it through a group of vetted advisors, a group of vetted companies that he make sure meet his standard. And then he helps. It's kind of like a dating service for technology. I kind of like that analogy. Am, am I right? That's right. Exactly. And then what's really fun is that you're a mathematician, University of Vermont, then, and and then you became this guru in tech. And I think we have to have that story. We're going to hear that in a minute. And then Connective is just this really interesting business, and it helps in a lot of different areas of technology. The list includes cybersecurity, 24 tech support, web development software, fractional CTO or CIO services, software vetting, cyber penetration testing, forensic analysis, cyber compliance testing, cloud optimization, branding, marketing, communications. Otherwise, you're not doing much. That's yeah, just a short quite list. bored here. Quite bored. Yeah. So welcome to the show. And uh, in the context that we work in with families and we talk about families, we choose the five capitals. The five capitals, everybody remember, is the intellectual, human, social, spiritual, and the financial capital. And everybody just assumes it's the financial capital that drives the family, but it's really the human and intellectual capital that make things happen. And the social capital is how we interact in the community and 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 how we're how we are seen, what what the wealth we have or the impact we want to have. And then the spiritual capital is really about our social, our own value system within our family. Like what is what does it keep us going as a family? And so I think if this falls in several areas, don't you think, Greg? Because it, it is a human, it's intellectual, financial. It is also deals with community. So I'd like to have a start just telling us a journey that you had getting to what you do, because it's really interesting. Um, well, Tim, thanks for having me here. And uh, I couldn't agree more. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. And 
You know, it's interesting while I'm in the technology industry, I would say I'm more in the human industry. Um, and really that's what I do. We're kind of, you know, anytime there's a need to outsource something in a business, we're kind of that matchmaker, just like you said, it was kind of a perfect description, right? So it's interesting. So uh, you said I was a math major in college, and I was. Uh, it was probably one of the very few math majors with the personality. Uh, and so, but I still laugh at every single math joke I hear, and I absolutely loved it. Um, ended up working actually in healthcare for about 10 years. Um, it was more healthcare administration. So I was working for a national company uh, running the business, doing home care services, doing um, you were facility staffing, wellness, state-run programs. And so we always had to comply mm -hmm. with the strictest standards. And so I really loved what I did. Did it for 10 years, ended up leaving because I uh, ended up calling my boss out and committing Medicaid fraud. And he said to me, Greg, everybody's doing it this way. Nobody's ever going to check. We're not going to change. And uh, I quit. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. But my the reason why I quit ended up becoming one of the core foundations of Connective Tech. You see, I'm, I'm an avid believer that a business or really an individual are defined by the people they're surrounded by. And unfortunately, there's just more bad than good out there, right? So um, we, I created a business where it kind of vets out the bad, finds the good, and then matches the good with other good. Uh, so there's the B2B matchmaking. And so, you know, when I was in the healthcare industry, I was, uh, you know, implementing this technology, uh, managing people, uh, sales teams, clinical teams and things like that. And so they kept moving me from branch to branch and, you know, healthcare, it's uh, one of the more sensitive data industries in the world and also has some of the best people. Um, it's really, they, they, there's a lot of, you got to really care about what you do in the healthcare industry in order to actually survive and function. And so, I started becoming a, a serial networker and uh, realizing there was, um, this is actually the third business that I've tried to start, that I've started. I had a, a successful exit from my first two and realized there was a really big problem with uh, vendor selection out there for, for people, for business owners. Um, they were relying on things like, you know, Google reviews, RFPs, uh, referrals, references, right? They're basically making a decision on, on how to trust and pay for their business based on emotion and based on a quote. And so this is the, where we came up with this model. It kind of combined everything that I just love, people, process, technology, money, um, and kind of brought all into one play. So that was really the kind of the birth of Connective Tech. Wow. What were your thoughts on how you went to tech? I guess I just haven't... Mm. It's not an easy business. No. I mean, it's it's just evolved so fast. Like, I just think it's just like, boom, 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 boom. I don't know that that would have been my first thought. For yeah. You. Yeah. You know, I, it, being in healthcare, um, there is there was a lot of, we had to find the strictest regulation and then find ways to comply by that regulation in order to comply by all of them. Um, a lot of it, um, about 50% of what I did was around cybersecurity, but I was on the receiving end of this. Um, and so I was um, 
uh, kind of, it was almost like a franchise and there was lots of branches mm-hmm. all over the country and they kept moving me from branch to branch saying it's broken, fix it. Right. And so I had to almost reinvent the business, hire staff, um, and put this technology into place. Then I was like, you know, um, I'm sick of being on the receiving end. I know the struggle behind that. And so um, my first tech business was not this business. It was more of a break fix where, you know, we would be uh, in charge of uh, support of computers, tablets, cell phones, right? And, uh, you know, I, there's so many ways to learn this industry. Yes, you got to keep current. You got to you go to the seminars uh, and real and do the research. But you know what the best way is to learn about this? is to surround yourself by smarter people. Um, ah. You know, that's why I surround myself with you, Tim, right? On the financial <laughs> industry, right? I gotta I gotta find the experts, right? Um, and so that's what I did. I found much smarter people than me. Um, and we all started doing webinars together. We started doing a lot of education around cybersecurity. What is it like being on the receiving end? How do we create custom plans for all the individuals and all the businesses? And this is really how we stay current. Um, and we all kind of need each other. If we're not partnering, we're dying, you know? Well, I think that's perfect. I think the collaboration in that is logical in, in how it all connects. And I think technology, one of the things that's been fun getting to know you and and you've helped me in my business and you've helped friends is the, the, the breadth of things that you have access to. So, you know, when we were trying to create a website or we're trying to do marketing or we're trying to... and I mean, you and I just connected because we 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 just seem to connect with each other. But I I really appreciate the because I I feel like I'm the generalist specialist at times in what I do. Having grown up in a financial services business, spent my career in in a broad thing of insurance, real estate, mortgage banking, wealth management. The last twenty years of wealth management and in wealth management now. I work on these soft issues, like how to get the families to think about stuff, like how the kids are going to survive, how the grandchildren are. And, and people turn to me and go, oh, we forget you have a technical background. I'm like, well, yeah, because it's you and I started to have this conversation about the softer issues and how change it, it's really odd. Yeah. And and we, I asked him to come on the show because I had been at the seminar, just like you talked about, and they were talking about security. And I told Greg that I left scared to death. And so I thought, well, okay, well, this would be a great topic because we're not thinking about it every day. We don't yeah. really want to think about it. And yeah. I'm a James, I'm a James Bond nut. So I, I think about, you know, because all the, the latest uh, movies from James Bond all about technology and how it just can be so easily manipulated on our world gets manipulated. So yeah. how would you frame up the topic of cybersecurity for us? A couple of things. Honestly, you actually touched upon something that's a good starting point. Um, everyone hears the big stories. Um, ransomware is like such a big topic, right? Uh, you know, the colonial pipeline uh, when, you know, there was uh, what, you know, six to eight million dollars, 14 million. I've heard a lot of different stories and numbers, but they had to pay a lot of money just to turn the gas on for the United States. Right. Um, and, you know, what happened there? is that there was a a hacker uh, that was simply trying to see what they can get into. And so what they did was they got, uh, they bought a username and a password that was never turned off. It was an ex-employee and they used it to get into the business. So they got, they found people that worked there. 
And guess what? You know, every time someone posts on social media, what's there? Your friends, your family, right? It's where you live, where you're located, right? And they figured out, all right, if this person is related to this person and they work at this company, then I'm going to attack their family and I'm going to get into their Wi-Fi. And then I'm going to get into their company computer because they were working from home. And then when that computer goes into the office, then I can get into the, the company Wi-Fi and then get into their whole system, right? So it all starts with the individual, right? You know, even though I work with wow. businesses, uh, over 90% of breaches in businesses is because one person clicked on something they shouldn't have or didn't put the right security measures in place, right? So there's so many cybersecurity breaches. You mentioned you're a James Bond fan, right, Tim? Yeah. Love it. Me too. I love James Bond. I love, I always describe, there's something called the cyber kill chain. Um, and it's really just a description of how hackers get into businesses, right? Or how hackers get into an individual's account, right? There's a lot of research. So think James Bond. James Bond doesn't go into leaping into every situation. He knows the plan, right? He knows what everyone is wearing and everything like that. If the hacker does the same thing. Who works there? All right, what software are they using? How do we get them to click on something? Um, what type of emails are they getting? Once we're in there, what do we do, right? And what are we trying to steal? What's the target, right? Is it access to a piece of software like a bank account? Um, are they trying to get files and leak that to the internet, right? And it, it, are they trying to change the username and password to a complete system? Or are they going to put a virus on there and just completely like stop everything from happening? Now, I'm obviously, you know, putting this in the layman's terms possible, but that's the the hacker brain, right? They're going to do a lot of research. Now, a lot of hackers are inherently lazy, right? So they're going to go after the low-hanging fruit, if you will, right? Who has put the least amount of security, the least amount of protection? Who's using the easiest passwords? You know, passwords are the second most riskiest thing and why people get into accounts because people are using the password, password, right? Or using one, two, three, <laughs> or the exclamation point, right? So it's all about the individual. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. And I know everyone at home is going to be thinking, oh man, I got to change the, okay. the password <laughs> on my luggage. You know, I know he's right. You know, they never realize, you know, you should use a sentence as a password and use spaces when applicable. Don't use the exclamation point, right? The longer, the better. It doesn't have to be complex. It has to be long. That's what makes a good password, right? And so people are going to use the same password for all of their stuff. And it's such a bad idea. You need an individual password for everything. And where people get frustrated is because people get lazy. Oh, I don't want to take the extra step to log into that. Or where am I going to store this? I don't want to write this down. Don't write it down. There's a lot of password protection managers, software, LastPass, 1Password, right? It makes it easy. Um, you'd got to take the extra steps. And if you do it right, it's not going to be a heavy lift. You'll get used to it, you know? So, you know, there's so many areas to talk. There's a lot of misconceptions around it. But I, you, you said James Bond, and I was going to say the same thing. It's just like a James Bond movie, but it's scarier. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, remember the movie? What was it with? Um, what was the? Oh, my God. They were in New York. It was Rene Russo with. Uh, the guy that played James Bond, and he was the rich guy that stole the paintings, and and they went to oh. his house. Um, 
Oh, Pierce Brosnan uh, with uh, what the hell is it? God, name? I don't remember. It was a remake too of the movie from the sixties, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, oh my goodness, Patrice, you don't remember that in the movie, do you? I don't, but you keep talking. I'll see if I can find it. So <laughs> they go to break into his house, and they and, they, and, the, and it's all these, you know, probably former military people or whatever. And they were like, "Who has a seven or eighteen digit password to get into their house or something?" And I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Because it all they I were can doing think that of spaceballs. Uh, it's the know, Thomas Crown affair. That is Thomas, Thomas Crown, Crown yeah, affair. That's, that's it. Movie. Yeah, that's the movie. movie. That, that's and right. I was like, "Oh my god, that password eighteen digits for or something like that." I was like, "Hmm, there you go. See what you just said." the better you know and it's it's a math game you know because if you think 18 digits there's more combinations in an 18 digit that it could be with 18 digits than there is 17 digits right so you got to make the highest mathematical likelihood that have to take longer to figure out your password um and I, the misconception is you have to use at symbols and money signs and that's good it, don't get me wrong you should use some of that as well um but it's really the length of the password that creates strong passwords um and to making sure that it's unique for every password that you have which can be a pain but it doesn't have to be one of the the one seminar that was the one that scared the hell out of me with all the technology issues uh, we'll get to some more of that but one of the passwords was was the ability to use a word that is the uh, like a common word that you have let's say it's super califragilistic and then have like if if you're if you're going into triple a to triple a you you can have so your memory so you can actually remember some of them because i've yes. done the one where it automatically generates one and then you're screwed because there's yeah. no way to remember it yeah but I've tried to create a protocol where it's a long password, but at least I can, and it could be that Greg is great uh, and tall or something. I mean, it could be just kind of a weird thing is what you're saying. You All your passwords are that I'm sure. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, yeah, it's interesting. I wasn't so, supposed to tell you that. I know, I know, I know. So it's, what's great is that um, use it, you continue to use passwords, unique passwords. I think that um, a lot of people are scared because they're like, well, how do I remember all this stuff? You know, I know I should do unique passwords, but, um, and they, they, the common mistake is writing it on a piece of paper. Okay. What happens if you lose that piece of paper? What happens if someone comes in to steal that piece of paper? Okay. Break-ins happen all the time. What if you drop it? God forbid, right? How many times have you looked around and be like, where did I put that piece of paper that I wrote that password mm -hmm. on that one day, 12 years ago, right? Um, you know, that's why you use password protection uh, software. So mm -hmm. something like LastPass, uh, 1Password, right? There's so many different versions of it. Don't use the one associated with Google Chrome. That's not as secure as some of the other passwords out there. Um, but that will help you automate um, your passwords in there. And then I know everyone's going to hate me for this, put multi-authentication on there, right? What yeah. is multi-authentication? So multi-authentication is, all right, I put my username and password in. Now um, the system's going to send me a text, or maybe you're going to download an app where it's going to say, hey, put this um, number in there, right? To double check. So very commonly, so LinkedIn years ago, I don't know if you've heard about this, that years ago had a major leak. Every mm -hmm. single user, millions of users, 
every single password and username was leaked onto the internet, right? So hackers have been using this information to get into other software for high profile people, public facing people, right? And so if your LinkedIn uh, username password has been the same for years, change it. And then don't use that username password anywhere else. It's a huge way for hackers to get into the personal accounts. Um, and there's a list publicly out there. You can look it up. Google, you know, LinkedIn leak breach um, of passwords and you'll find it. It's out there. There's actually ways you can type your email into a website and it'll list all the accounts that have been compromised for yourself. And I'll, I'll, I'll share that later on in the episode if you want. Ooh, yep. See? Not good. Not good. Not good. Not good. Yeah. Okay. And when we talked the other day, um, because we were talking about why would they hack me, right? And yeah. then you were talking, and, and I think it's important for people, the profile. What what I'm worried about is people don't think about their weakest links mm. and the profiling of, so if you if you happen to be an executive for a firm or you help run the family business or, you know, the what I think you would mention as a high profile person. Although yeah. a lot of the people that I get to, as my clients don't think of themselves as high profile, right? Because they may be running a business in, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan, or, you know, someplace in rural Vermont, they don't think of them. They're like, Oh yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, but I'm actually, I kind of have to say, I bet, but you are because you have this business. Yep. Very successful business. I, I would say not necessarily high profile people, although, a lot of CEOs are usually the point uh, of attack and emphasis attack. It's because they're publicly facing, uh, right? Those CEOs um, are the public face of the organization, right? Or you get someone who just loves social media and is posting all over the place. Mm -hmm. You're putting yourself out there. You're, you're publicly facing yourself. And everything, there's something called social engineering. Okay. Um, one of the definitions of social engineering is like, hey, I'm going to look at Tim's Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, and see who he's surrounding himself by, right? Where is he? What is he posting? You can learn everything about a person through their social media accounts, right? I mean, your close family members, um, you know, because on Facebook, right? You're like, this is my sister. This is a family member. This is my wife, right? Well, okay, you might be well protected uh, because you're CEO of, of this organization, but let's see how well you're protected your wife is now or your child, right? So many viruses these days come in through gaming, Right. So if you bring your laptop home and your kids on the sharing the same Wi-Fi uh, as you, man, the, the type of viruses you're going to get downloaded onto your Wi-Fi and the, you share a computer with your Wi-Fi. That's that's super common. Right. Or how many times have you found yourself doing work out of a coffee shop? Right. right. There's something called a man in the middle. Right. Where they're going to give you um, it's going to show up as a fake Wi-Fi that looks exactly like the Starbucks Wi-Fi. So you might have heard that it's don't get onto public uh, facing Wi-Fis. Right. Yeah. Horrible. Um, always get into like a hotspot, uh, something like that. That's a little more secure. 
is because of that man in the middle thing. You get onto this Wi-Fi that looks like it's supposed to be from Starbucks, right. but it's not. It's the hacker. <gasps> um, they then get into your computer because you logged into their Wi-Fi. So now you're sharing a Wi-Fi connection with a hacker. It could be someone sitting at the next table from you, right? Uh, who knows? It's scary. There's so many ways to get into uh into a business uh through easy methods if you're not take if you're not cautious about what you post and who you're with you know it could be a spouse could be somebody you live with yeah could be a could be your children yeah could be uh, and it could be that you've just accessed stuff on a public a network that's things. right that's right it could be wow. yeah and then but, but, but then what are they going to do i mean what happens i mean you said they're going to watch question. our emails, but what, yeah, what are they going to do? Question. Yeah. So once they're in these days, a lot of hackers sit there and learn and watch. Um, it used to be, hey, they're going to get in and get out. Right. But what they do is download malware to your computer. Now, what is malware? Malware is just a piece of software. So the hacker gets in and says, hey, I'm going to put a piece of software. And the malware says, hey, hacker, what do you want me to do next? You want me to open a quote unquote backdoor uh, to the computer so you can get in any time? Do you want me to go after these files? Do you want me to download a virus, right? Or very commonly that these days they'll sit and say, all right, who are you receiving emails from? Or who are you sending emails to? Maybe a client. Um, and they're going to try to mimic you, mimic your email, um, try to get you to click on something or your client to click on something. Hey, client, this is the CEO. Uh, thank you for paying your last invoice last month. It's uh, again, it's the 12th and it's time for you to pay another invoice. Uh, we've changed our account. So please deposit $60,000 into this account. Uh, and not our other account. Thank you so much, right? And su super common these days, happens all the time, right? Maybe you're a big DocuSign person, right? These days, right? DocuSign, you sign contracts, right? It's sometimes if you don't know who that's being sent by, um, hackers can get very creative and it's sometimes hard. This is a misconception in the cyber world. It is sometimes hard to find phishing simulated emails hackers trying to email you to get you to click on something right i got i got uh, uh attacked the other day someone sent me a docusign and i was like who is this from it looks so official right i sign documents all the time right but i have cybersecurity software um endpoint detection and response uh, mdm software that says hey i clicked on this it's bad don't don't go any further. Stop. It's malicious, right? Antivirus is just not enough anymore, right? Um, it catches viruses. It keeps computer healthy, right? Um, EDR, endpoint detection and response, is the new antivirus. It's like the, uh, the next level antivirus these days, right? And that more is behavioral based. So if I'm going into other pieces of software or accounts that I don't normally get in there, it says, "Hey, stop! We're going to shut your computer down, and we're going to we're going to make sure to stop this activity before it gets anywhere." Hey, hey! Sorry for the interruption. Look, I know you're listening to the Rainbow Bull podcast, and I'm really happy you're here. But if you have any questions or issues you'd like to have us discuss with the experts, please email them to us at tim.volk at tvolkco.com. We would love to hear from you. 
So we have to have our malware. Yeah. Well, our antivirus, but also the malware. We yep. have to think about some of the stuff we're doing. I know in wealth management, you know, we do a lot of DocuSign for subscriptions or for investments or authorization for investments, moving money. Uh, some money market accounts require quarterly authorizations to move money around. I was just thinking about how sometimes I just do it because I know I have to go through this and I and I recognize the name. But, yeah. you know, um, in wiring money, it's become a real issue. So in real estate, the transaction mm -hmm. stuff and, and we're, we're wiring large sums of money in wealth management, they're asking us to validate the, the to call out to the people mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm Craig, I've got a wire that I want to send to you. I'm going to send that now and validate that it's what's going on. The banks have now done this thing where they won't let you rewire it out. So they want a 24 hour or 48 hour wet period for the money and then then you can wire it back out but there's been so much fraud happening and moving the money back and forth that they, they can't catch it you said something perfect always just check if you're unsure take a moment pause before you click on something look at the email address it's coming from or you know put, type in the website or if the if there's fonts that look weird or they didn't type something right it's probably a phishing email uh, trying to get you to click on something. Most of them are, you can tell. Um, some of them, you cannot. It's hard really? these days because they're sitting on your computer and learning what you click on. And before they do anything, sometimes they'll sit anywhere between three and nine months just watching and learning, right? So they can get you for one big, big transaction. And there's no way to really know that they're on the computer per se. There's ways. Yeah. There, there's cybersecurity companies that can detect some things and things like that. Uh, you know, just because you, you can have th this, this being said, you can have all the security measures in place that you want and it still does never guarantees that you're never going to get hacked. Right. The goal is, is how far can you go? Um, how much can you afford? How do you not be a low hanging fruit to get the hackers, to get into you right and so it's just having anything in place is a great thing is a great start right and if there's no how far can you go with this you can go endless amounts of security measures to double check things right wow so what you're saying is these issues that can arise from stuff that we're not even aware of but we mm -hmm. have to be mindful about the things we're doing particularly routine things that are either dealing with money, people, particularly if we have our clients. So, you know, with our clients, we have NDAs and it's not uncommon to have a, a, a non-disclosure agreement or confidentiality agreements around everything. And yep. so, you know, the computer software has to be trying to help protect that as well. I've heard many times that trying to do banking online is a much higher risk. That's, that's one of the things they talked about in the seminar is that if you're doing banking online, we can't help you. That was basically their response. They said, it's very, very <laughs> difficult to data protect you. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, Everybody's banking online. You know, everyone's got a little bit of a different opinion. I think that um, online banking can be safe um, as long as you have the right measures in place. So okay. there's a huge misconception out there. Hey, I'm in the cloud. I'm safe, right? Have you heard that uh, yeah. here and yeah. there? Right? Yeah. I'm in the cloud. Yeah. I don't That's have any fine. servers. I don't know yeah, I'm good. 
That's a misconception. Being in the cloud is kind of like being in a marriage, right? You have to do your end of it, uh, just like the cloud has to do end your end of it in order to make sure it's good. So, you know, for example, like if I'm in my bank and I have a bookkeeper, right? I have to make sure to only give my bookkeeper access and limit that access. I have to make sure the bank uh, has MFA available so I can turn that on. Right. I have to make sure like that my password's long enough or I change it enough and things like that. And so just because it's in the cloud, it doesn't mean it's safe. You got to do your side of this as well um, and put a user password manager. So there are ways you can do it and you can do it safely, but it's always good to double check and have those measures in place. Legal, healthcare, and finance industries are the biggest risk when it comes to cyber breaches. Which makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it's all sensitive information. I I know you can send an encrypted email. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I'm uploading documents, if we're doing tax returns or we're dealing sensitive documents that have social security, financial data, I think it's always better to try and upload to a portal Mm -hmm. than it is to send through email, right? Yeah. You know, if you do your encryption uh, well, then that's okay. And yes, uh, putting it in the cloud and then giving access to the right people, read receipts, uh, read only rights, things like that, access mm-hmm. to only that email, a double check. System. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, you, you can do it safely both ways. Um, so it depends on what you're sending and receiving. And there are certainly best practices for these type of methods. Um, But always make sure there's a double check system, basically, uh, regardless of what you do. Gosh, there's there's a lot of things to remember. Um, (laughs) Do you think that there's any, and and we have a large LGBTQ community as well as our allies, is there any um, targeting that that we think about? Is there groups that are targeted more you, you said know, finance, healthcare, uh, legal, but is there any of our, of us as people or individuals targeted more? You know, it's it all begins with the individual, um, whether it's just an individual hacker or an individual getting hacked. It always is about the individual. Um, I don't know if there's a specific group and things like that. You start getting into countries hacking other countries then there are politics uh with that so it's not only about you know me trying to go after money or a document or a piece of software you see countries trying to go after countries to manipulate politics um and things like that and politics can uh affect you what you just said right um you know some people are for things and some people are against things right and the countries have favorable people to get elected for their own selfish reasons right so cybersecurity affects that, right? Um, and so that's why we all got to be very conscious about, you know, what we're what we're doing with technology and how we're using it. And we got to, like yourself, Tim. You know, I think that one of the the biggest reasons I love having you in my network is because you're an expert in finances, right? You you kind of need experts in each one of these areas in order to do it the best you can, right? 
I'm never going to say I might have some opinions about finance, but man, I can't, I'm not, I don't hold a candle to you in order to be like, where do I invest? When, when do I need life insurance? Right? Like this is when I need your advice. Um, same thing with cybersecurity. You, you got to partner with the right people, surround yourself by the right people. And that kind of goes into why we started this. I started my business. Yeah. It's all about who you're surrounded by. Right. Um, and that really defines who you are and, and whatnot. So. We had a, we were at this seminar, right? And I told you there was all these people that got up and talked about security, cybersecurity. There was, there was a lady that uh, I, I won't say her name, but she is uh, the, one of the lead consultants to NSA, CIA. Mm. I thought she said secret service, but I don't know if that makes any sense. And I, and does work for MI5, I guess, or MI, I don't know if it's. She told you this. That sounds like well, secret she, she, information. She was right just there. like I, I, she was introduced <laughs> as a consultant, and you know the the friend of mine that runs this conference. And so I'm like, okay. And then she came and sat next to me at lunch because I asked a few questions. She said, "You asked really good questions. Do you mind if I sit with you?" And I said, "Is it safe?" Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Am I being recorded? Am I being? Oh, could be seen with you." And she was very unassuming person. Like you would not think no. this person, but she had this whole conversation along with one of the other guys about a go bag. So I wanted to bring this because it was one of the things that you and I talked about uh, that they were talking about, you know, you need to have a go bag. And I was like, so I come home, I talked to John, my husband, who's retired air force. And I said, I think we need a go bag. He goes, where did you go today? <laughs> What were you doing? Where did today? you go today? Who did you speak to? <laughs> so let's talk for just a, a few minutes about sure. a go bag. Do you because yeah. we you and I talked about it? Like, do you want to tell yeah. everybody what a go bag is? Yeah, yeah. So I want. I think the best way to to do this is look at insurance. Why would why do we get in life insurance? Right? Why do we get renters insurance, mortgage insurance? Right? Because we're trying to account for the worst case scenario, right? What if a blackout happens? What if we get hacked and I can't access any of my 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 money, right? Or the lights go out, right? Your go bag is to account for the worst case scenario. Guess what? It could happen. It can absolutely happen. You should have a bag. You can click at one point, get out. What if there's a flood? Um, you need to a, a bag you can grab, and gas up and take somewhere. That's why they tell you, grab your go bag, which should have water, which should have money, which should have clothes, um, some canned uh, foods, right? And you should always keep your gas tank above the half tank full, right? So never let it get below half tank because worst case scenario, if you got to grab and go, you got to be able to grab and go. You can't stop for gas. You can't stop at the ATM uh, to, to grab. Wait, wait a second, sir, uh, who's trying to murder me right now. Um, give me a second. I can't put it in my code here, right? So you you have to be prepared. And um, the question I you know, you sometimes get around that is, uh, well, how much? Do I keep well? You know, as much as you can is is the best is the best advice. You know, three to six months is certainly the minimum. Um, maybe even more to keep you going. Um, now it's it's tough. You, you gotta. It's not only about getting a bag, but then what's the plan? Uh, all right, I got my bag. My my car is the gas tank is full, but what next? Uh, where do I go? Right. 
Um, so I think that, that there's there's a plan. You, you, you know, if you have a family, they sometimes talk. All right, we're going to Disneyland. If we lose each other, this is where we're going to meet. Right? You know, Right. that type of thing. It's a plan for the worst case scenario all the time, which it, it comes up now and then. Um, so you got to be kind of ready, uh, or else you'll know, you'll be caught with your pants down. You know. Well, I think about 9-11. My mom Oh. was very calm. I was in Denver and I was headed to the airport. So I'd gone out. I uh, and my uh, one of our nieces and her husband were staying with us. And they were sound asleep. And I said, I'm going to leave early. And I, I got everything ready. And I was I, I came back in for coffee or something, because in those days I would drive to the airport, leave my car at the airport in Denver. And my phone rang in the house, the house phone, because we had house phones and uh, landline. That means it was on old school for some of us that don't know what that is. Anyway, it was my mom. And she's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to the airport. She says, not today. I said, no, no, I'm on my, the car's loaded. I got my bags. And she says, honey, have you listened to the news? I'm like, no. She says, go turn on the television and call me back in one minute. So I go turn on the TV. I see these plane fly. I see what's going on in New York. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of odd. And so she comes back and goes, they're going to ground all the planes. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Where's Johnny? I said, he's in Miami. She said, okay, you've talked to him. I said, no. She says, you call him right now. and tell him that he needs to be prepared to get out of there if he has to. I'm like, okay. And so the mom was very calm. She said, I want you to go fill the cars up with gas. You have both cars there. Go make sure they've got full tanks of gas. I want you to go to the bank and withdraw as much money as you can, like five or $10,000. I want you to go to the grocery store and buy water and all the uh, sundries. So I, I wasn't thinking about like yogurt and John, John came home. A few days later, this was the emergency supply. <laughs> Raw potatoes, you know, you know, canned potatoes, canned fruit, canned Right. stuff, which I didn't understand, and stuff that Yeah. you like power bars and stuff Yeah. like, you know, Non-perishables. I and I was at the bank drawing the money, and the teller looked at me and says, Hi, Mr. Vulcan. I'm like, hi. And she I said, she said, What are you doing? And I said, I'm just withdrawing some money. She says, It's very unusual for you to take out this much money. And I go, Yeah. And I was looking at the TV and she looked at the TV because they had the big, you know, the bank had a big TV going and everything. She looked at me and goes, oh, my God. Yep. And she was this is like at 10 o'clock in the morning or, 10, or I forgot time it was in Denver. It had already been several hours. That's wild. But, but it could change And like that. Change Like you like said, that. you said overnight, Yeah. you don't know, we could be if the power grid goes down, you can't buy gas. There's Yeah. no power to pump the gas. We can't get money out of the bank. Yeah. You and I had that conversation, right? It's. Yeah. And, and and think about on the opposite side, all the people in New York, one of the biggest things that happened during 9-11 is that they couldn't make or receive calls, even though they had cell phone reception, right? There was so many calls coming in and out being flooded. The networks were down uh, because everyone was trying to find their loved one, right? And uh, if they had talked about that emergency plan, where to meet, uh, what bag to get, right? How to get out. um and where where to go then um like there would have been a lot more relief uh quicker uh i'd say um in, in some cases um so it's it's just you just never know you got to be careful especially I like this. this day and age Well, I like the way you're thinking. I think it's just always having a plan.
Yeah. Having, having a, you know, you may, hopefully you don't have to use it, but it's already there. If you had a bag with everything in it and you could just grab it, like your, yeah. uh, your birth certificate, your social security card, your passport, whatever you need to have with you to take, you know, we have, you know, a little strong box or whatever you could put that mm-hmm. in, there. but, um, you know, what's my, my favorite, one of my favorite sayings is, um, uh, plans are worthless, but planning is everything, right? Cause, cause no plan ever works out the way you want it to. But if you didn't have a plan, you wouldn't be able to accomplish anything. Right. I'm sure that is more true in your industry in the financial industry than yeah. any other industry right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, it's the mental preparation to have people willing to do this. That's right. You don't really think about it. So, um, I don't, I want to end on a more positive note though. Like, do we have success stories? Have you had people that have listened and actually had success in what, in, in trying to thwart this and every single day, every single day, those companies that understand, Hey, there's a risk out there. I need to find somebody to help me mitigate this. Um, every single day we encounter hackers, uh, and stopping them from getting into a business every single day, um, with individuals, individual accounts, with businesses, when it comes to national stuff and large ransomware situations that's where uh you know government comes into play um and so but every day there are this is not a matter of if it's a matter of when uh when we we get we get hacked uh unfortunately that's the reality of the situation so when we when we work with financial companies healthcare companies when we work with manufacturing legal institutes Every single day, we can account for something that somebody clicked on, and we stop them in the act to be able to say, "Yep, because we had these measures into in place, we isolated this, or it prevented you from going any further, and it caused uh, you not to have the headache that you would have if you didn't have these measures in place." So every day, there's success stories in place. You know, I I really appreciate this. There are lots of topics that you and I can talk about. I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about some other stuff with technology. This is, I know, something that was on my mind and that that you and I had this great conversation with about it. Are there resources? Like, what do we do if we're attacked? Is there, if we're hacked, are there things to do? I mean, is there... You know what? So, yes. Everybody, if you take one thing out of this conversation, go to this one website, all right? Mm-hmm. It's have I been pawned? Okay. It's H A V E I B E E N P W N E D dot com. Okay. E W N E D W N E D dot com. Oh. So that's H A V E I B E E N P W N E D dot com. All you got to do is put in your email. And it'll tell you everywhere where your uh, password has been compromised. Wow. Yep. Wow, that's great. That's one of the best resources you can do and start changing your passwords. Okay. That's fantastic. And I just really appreciate you taking that. It's it's interesting. I don't know that it's a great conversation that people want to have, but I think... (laughs) think it's sort of a necessary thing we need to have because everything yeah. we're doing is digital it is um, i think it'd be fun to have you on to talk about ai mm, talk about some of the some of the changes you see happening good and bad sure, sure. um 
How do people get a hold of you? Um, they can go to my website, uh, connectivetech.com. Uh, that's connective without an E and then T-E-C-H dot com. Uh, email address is greg.kh at connectivetech.com are really the two best ways to get a hold of me. Thank Patrice, you, Tim. what do you think? Thanks, Greg. What do you think? I, I think if I find out I have to change all my passwords, <laughs> I'm going to have to get more pets because I'm going to need more pet names. <laughs> passwords from. Classic. Classic. She then went out and adopted six cats and two dogs. <laughs> Either that or they're, you know, you start going one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> wow. Right. This is great, great stuff, Greg. Really Good. great. Um, Thanks for having me on. Well, Tim, how can people reach you? Because they're going to reach you and they're going to want to talk to Greg. Well, please, everybody, you know, please go to our website at www.tvolkco.com or you can email me at tim.volk at tvolkco.com. And that's T-V-O-L-K-C-O.com. Uh, or you can call me 312-636-5855. I bet Greg's going to cringe that I gave my mobile out. It probably is not the brightest thing I've done. Um, but, you know, please call. I think it's, we are happy to share our vetted network of, of people that we have. I think what's fun is uh, that with the rainbow bull, we get to share more and more of our networks together and bring in great guests like we have here with Greg. If you like what we're doing, please like the podcast, share it with your friends and family. We're trying to grow it. And uh, I want to thank all my friends at Proudmouth for all the work they do to help us. Patrice, you're amazing. Thank you for all that you do. Well, you just took all my thunder there because I I had a line, a great line. Yeah. Listeners, a very cyber safe button to push is the follow or subscribe button for this podcast. Yes. Do it. The newest episode is ready. And of course, please share with others. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Rainbow Bull Podcast. Visit our website at www.tvolco.com or give us a call at 312-636-5855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of T. Volk and Company Consulting. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.